Ezra chapter number 9, verse number 12. If you are able and willing, I would invite you to stand for the reading and reverence of God's Word. I'll read these four verses of Scripture in your hearing, and uh, we'll, we'll uh, get into the Word of God. The Bible says, Now therefore give not your daughters unto their sons, neither take their daughters unto your sons, nor seek their peace or their wealth forever that ye may be strong and eat the good of the land and leave it for an inheritance to your children forever. And after all that is come upon us for our evil deeds and for our great trespass, seeing that thou, our God, hast punished us less than our iniquities deserve and hast given us such deliverance as this, should we again break thy commandments and join in affinity with the people of these abominations? Wouldest not thou be angry with us till thou hadst consumed us so that there should be no remnant nor escaping? O Lord God of Israel, thou art righteous, for we remain yet escaped as it is this day. Behold, we are before thee in our trespasses, for we cannot stand before thee because of this. Let's go, Lord, in order of prayer. Dear Lord, most kind and gracious Heavenly Father, I love you so much, Lord. I thank you for your many blessings. Thank you for your grace, your love, your goodness, your kindness. Uh, Lord, thank you for the songs of Zion. Lord, I'm so thankful that is true. Uh, you don't mean much to this world, Lord, but you mean the world to me. And God, I'm asking you, Lord, you help us this morning as we gather around your word. And God, you put a message on my heart. God, and I pray you'd help me to preach it in power and demonstration of the Spirit of God. I pray somebody would be helped, somebody would be encouraged, somebody would be challenged from your word. And, Lord, I pray you do work that only you can do. Uh, Lord, I'm reminded today, Lord, that uh, the salvation of, of an individual is not based on any man. But, Lord, that's the work of you, God. And though I'm not preaching a gospel message, Lord, I pray, Lord, you would speak to hearts, God, as you see fit. God, minister to people where they're at, whatever they stand in need of. God, I pray you do the work that only you can do. I love you, Lord, and I thank you. I ask this in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. You might be seated. Thank you for standing to reverence the word of the Lord. Uh, I can't go back and re-preach all of Ezra chapter number 9, but I've got to make a few mentions quickly uh, to bring us up to speed to where we are. Uh, we looked in the first uh, four verses of the chapter, and we found uh, that a report came to the ears of Ezra, and it found that this returned remnant from the land of Babylon to Jerusalem who sent there for the work of God, uh, for the furtherance of, of, of the nation, if you will. And Brother Ed Ezra finds out that the people are intermarrying with the people of this land. And you say, Brother Jake, what's the big idea about it? I can't go back and re-preach it, but I don't think it's necessarily much a race thing as it was a religious thing. God didn't want His people married to people who served other gods. Can I give a quick reminder this morning? Uh, you ought not be uh, yoked up with, especially not married, to somebody who's got a different God than you do. And then we found uh, in the preceding verses, verses 5 through 11, I can't go back and re-preach it again, we find Ezra, he at the evening sacrifice, Brother Ed, he falls on his knees, he spreads his hands, and he lifts his voice to God, and he begins to pray. And uh, that's what we looked at 
Uh, last week we noticed how that heaviness pushed him to God. We noticed how he was honest and, uh, and he was uh, uh, he was just genuine. And he the, the note Miss Carolyn recognizing that he that his people were in sin it let produced a willingness in him. Can I say this morning? I can't go back and read preach it, but when God makes you aware of your sin, you don't bow up, you don't get mad, you don't sulk. You say, God, what can I do to right my wrong? Lord, how can I make it right? And I'm talking to the Christian this morning. When you get caught in sin, don't bow up. Up, get right. Amen. But we find here in verses 12 through 15, the same thing that started in verse 5 is still going on here. Verse 5, Ezra's praying. Brother Ed, so what we see this morning in these four verses, Ezra's still praying. And uh, you say, well, what are we going to preach on this morning? What do you call it? Well, I, I don't have a real good title, but I'll give it to you. Uh, I want to preach on this thought. Quit, have, and know. Quit, have, and know. You say, that's deep. Probably not, but we'll see what the Lord has for us anyhow. Let's look at verse 12 together. Now therefore give not your daughters unto their sons, neither take their daughters unto your sons, nor seek their peace or their wealth forever. Number one, I want you to notice this morning uh, in, in this final four verses of the prayer of Ezra, the first thing we got to point out is this. Quit it. Amen. Yes, sir. Come on. Quit it. One thing that I, I'm not God, but I, I imagine that it bothers me. I imagine it bothers God too. One thing that drives me crazy as a person, it doesn't matter if it's a marriage capacity, a parent capacity, a church capacity, a work capacity, a life capacity. One thing that I, I don't like is when someone does wrong, asks forgiveness, and then keeps doing the same thing over and over and over again. That drives me bonkers. Amen. If it drives me crazy, I wonder what it does to God. Yes. And Ezra, in his prayer, he, he gives some instructions. He utters these instructions and pretty much tells them to quit it. And you say, well, uh, you say, Brother Ezra's just praying here, but we can make the application as an instruction to people. The instruction to the people of God. We'll see more about it when we get to chapter 10. But, Brother Thomas, we find here that Ezra is giving these instructions. Can I say, we can take this, this instruction in Ezra's prayer and uh, use it for our benefit. It says, quit it. Quit what? Give not your daughter. Don't give your daughters to them, and don't take their daughters for your sons. Give not, take not. And then it tells us to seek not. Seek not their peace. Seek not their wealth. You say, Brother Jake, I'm not following. You look at verse 12. Give not your daughters, take their daughters, uh, and neither take their daughters unto your sons, nor seek their peace or their welfare or their wealth forever. Give not, take not, seek not. You say, Brother Jacob, what are you getting at? When we're talking about sin, being caught in sin, being in a bad predicament. And you ever been in a bad predicament? You ever got in a bad way? You ever been found yourself caught up in sin? You know what the first thing you, you need to do is uh, you need to acknowledge it. First off, we preached on that last week. Then you need to seek the Lord how, how you make it right. But Brother, Brother Ed, uh, we're, we're going to make it right. We've got to stop doing what we're doing. That's right. I brought this up a couple weeks ago, and I don't know why the Lord brought it to my attention. Now, I, I counseled with a man one time, and uh, I think about this man often. I, I wish I could know where the story went, uh, but he got he was uh, having an uh, adulterous relationship, and he needed some counsel, uh, not because he knew, thought it was wrong, but he needed some counsel because he enjoyed the relationship he was having, but he still wanted his wife. And he couldn't answer the question. 
Well, who do you love? Who are you going to stay? He couldn't give me an answer. You want to you get out of that situation? First thing you got to do is quit it. You got unholy unions in your life? Quit it. You go into places you shouldn't be going to? Quit it. You're looking at things you shouldn't be looking at? Quit it. Amen. You're, you're hanging around people you shouldn't be? Quit it. You're putting other things before God? Quit you, you're in a, It's real a simple preaching this morning, but when sin arises, when God makes you aware of sin, quit it. Lose your temper. God says, that's wrong. God says, help me not do that again. When you're, a bad, when you're a bad example, when you're a bad influence, when you're a bad testimony, God speaks to you. You're not going to be perfect from it, but our goal should be to not do that same thing again. That's right. I pointed this out a moment ago. That drives me crazy when I have to forgive someone for the same thing over and over again. I think that's human nature. Learn the lesson and let's not have this conversation again. One thing I, it's very apparent in my childhood, mom was not here this morning, uh, but I will speak on her behalf for her and my father. One thing my dad didn't like is uh, he not only did he not like having to forgive people for the same thing twice, he hated spanking people for the same thing twice. All right, sir. One, one, one thing I learned is yeah, yeah, this, will be, this, this will help you. I don't know who it'll help, but it'll help you. Now, one thing is, is when my sibling got a spanking, I, I didn't want to follow, I didn't want to uh, try the same thing and get the experience. I wanted to learn by example. What they did caused them to get a spanking. That's right. So if I do it, I'll get a spanking. That's right. You say, what do you mean, Brother Jacob? When I see God's taking somebody else to the woodshed, why would I want to emulate that? Learn by example, not by experience. Yes, Amen. I feel like I'm scattered this morning, but I'm trying to help somebody. Give not your daughters. Just quit it. Quit doing it. If God's exposed to sin, made it real to you, and you say, well, God ain't showed me that it's sin, and it's plain in the Word of God that it's sin. Hear me. Hear me. Hear me good this morning. So God ain't showed me that it's sin. There's only two options. If it's plain in the Word of God that what you're doing is sin, and you don't see it that way, you don't see God ain't showed you, there's only two scenarios. Just two. Number one, you don't know God. Because He lets lost people do what lost people do. Or your conscience, your conscience has been seared with a hot iron. What's, what's your conscience being seared with a hot iron? That conscience is that internal witness written on the hearts of men. And Brother George, when you reject God and deny God for so long as a saved person, God will cut that eternal witness off that you can't feel wrong. You can't know wrong. So both situations are bad. If you're lost, you can get saved. But if your conscience is seared, I don't know what to tell you. I don't, I don't know. They can cauterize your nose, Brother Bill, but I don't think they can uncarterize your nose. Uh, just, just throwing something out there. God reveals it. Don't quit doing it. Don't do it again. Give not. Take not your daughters. Quit doing it. But then it said, seek not their peace or their wealth. Now, I did find this interesting. Like I said, I don't speak Hebrew, and neither do you, but I did find it interesting. The word wealth there is the same word where we get the word welfare, yes. their well-being. Uh, God says, D- don't give your daughters, don't take their daughters, and don't get caught up in them. Don't be invested in. I, I, this is, is going to sound very brash, and I don't mean it to sound brash, but it's the truth. There are some things, some people, Brother Bill, they're just so worked up and they're in a tizzy about. But I had to make a decision a long time ago that things that aren't really that important, I can't emotionally invest in. I know that's bad. Y'all. Some markers down the road made me point out that I can't be emotionally invested in that. I know that's awful. Brother Bill, I can't give my mental bandwidth to something that's not that important. To me. 
So what do you mean? We're, now let's make it positive. God says, I don't want you to be emotionally vested in. I don't want you to have ties in, roots in, hands in, a, a, a pen in. If you, God says, I don't want you to be with them. Quit it. Break that fellowship. Break that relationship. Change your ways. If you want, you say, I, I don't know how to do it. I don't know how to do it. Well, you're laying on God and you quit doing what you're doing. Uh, they were instructed to quit yoking up with, quit going along with those that did not serve their God. Let me say this. If they do not share the same God, you should not be walking the same course. That's right. The Bible tells us, can two walk together except they be agreed? But George, we, we can't walk with people that we're not agreed with. We're going different directions. and It's sad. People say, well... Uh, that person's cut me out of their life. That person I don't want nothing to do anymore. Brother Will, what's happened is, is those people used to be walking the same course, and now that person's walking a different course. You can't walk with them. Can't walk with them. I, I know we're not shouting it out this morning, but I, it's true. Quit it. Quit participating in their sinful game and their sinful games. And if you quit participating in their sinful games, you'll quit earning their sinful prizes. Don, if you sign up for that sinful contest, you're going to get a sinful earning. That's right. Come on. I'm going to, you know, it's a, it, you, you, don't put, you don't put a football helmet on, a shoulder pads on, and a uniform on, and go to a football stadium and say, all right, I'm here to hit a home run. That's right. Wrong sport. You can't suit up for the devil and expect to hit a home run for God. You're not playing the same sport. Amen. Quit it. I'm saying this, I'm going to move. Quit following them and start following him. Amen. I started following him and then I started following them. Well, quit following them and start following him. Get back to it. Get back to the the right path, the right way. Follow God. Quit it. Not only do we see quit it, but we see have it. Have it or enjoy it or live it, love it. I don't know. You pick which word you want to write down in your notes. Have it, live it, love it. Really, it's to enjoy it. Following the previous instructions resulted in a couple of things. Look what the Bible says. Now, therefore, give not your daughters unto their sons, neither take their daughters unto your sons, nor seek their peace or their wealth forever. Colon. Y'all see that? That's a shift in the verse. That ye may be strong and eat the good of the land and leave it for an inheritance to your children forever. Ever. The first part of verse 12 says, this is what you do. The second part of verse 12 says, if that's what you do, this is what you get. Following those instructions, not giving your daughters, not taking their daughters, not seeking their peace. If you'll do that, this is what would result. Being strong, eating the good of the land, and leaving an inheritance to your children. You say, well, what does all that mean? Well, well, let's break it down quickly. I'm, I'm trying to hurry for the sake of time this morning. The strength mentioned in verse 12 refers to the strengthening of the nation. Brother Bill, if they would quit doing what they were doing, it would strengthen the nation. God wanted the nation to be pure. That God wanted the nation to walk in His footsteps. God wanted them to worship in His house, follow His precepts. Brother Bill, when they're adding all those other things, it, 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 uh, it uh, mixed and muddied the waters and it, Weakened the nation. God wanted the nation to be strengthened. 
If they would quit doing what they were doing, not only would they be strong, but they would eat the good of the land. Eating the good mentioned in our text refers to their prosperity in the land of promise. Now listen to me. I'm going to make application in a second. We cannot take every Jewish promise and apply them to New Testament Christians. If God says He's going to miraculously provide water, they dug a well and boom, there was water. If you dig up your backyard, you're probably going to find a septic tank. Somebody say amen. Y'all with me? I know that's goofy, but it's true. Their prosperity, it was prosperity for them. I'm telling you, uh, you say, well, God bless my livestock. Maybe God blesses your livestock, but you're not going to have the Jacob scenario. Did every, every one of the offspring come out the exact way it needed to be for Jacob to take them from Laban? That is specific peculiar, divine prosperity for God's chosen people of the nation of Israel. with me? The good of the land. That refers to that prosperity in the promised land. The inheritance left mentioned in our text refers to the perpetual possession of the land of promise. One thing we find, Brother Joey, in the Word of God is that if the children of Israel had obeyed God, if they had just kept on obeying God, they would have stayed in the... Number one, they would have, the Canaan land would have been bigger. First off, you say, what do you mean? God says, everywhere your foot touches is yours. The only problem is that they got to Canaan and quit walking. If they covered it all, Brother George, they'd have got it all, but they didn't get it all. They just they stopped in Canaan, all right? Number one, they could have had more. Canaan could have been bigger, but they could have stayed in Canaan. What happens is they stop listening to God, and then they would be in captivity. They'd be here. They'd be there. They'd be caught up here. They'd be oppressed here. They'd be oppressed there. They could have stayed, but they didn't. If they would quit, God was telling them they could leave an inheritance for their children. So what do you mean, Brother Jake? These people that are that God is are in this scene, Sister Donna, these are people who are not born in the land of Canaan. They weren't born in the land of promise. They were born in Babylon. Pagan Babylon. Their parents were slaves or killed or I mean, y'all just use your imagination. Think about Daniel's lot. Daniel, Daniel don't have no more parents. Uh, Daniel, I'll be very vague in how I say this, Daniel couldn't be a husband or a father after Babylon was done. He was born in the land of, of Babylon. Sort of, as far as we know, Daniel never made it back either, but that's a different message for a different day. But these people, were they, you know what their parents left them? Well, you know what they inherited from their parents? Bondage. The parents left their children an inheritance of bondage. Yes, sir. Here, this is good. The Lord has popped this up to me. You can leave your kids one of two things. You can leave an inheritance of bondage for them. Hmm? Or you can leave them an inheritance of the things of God. Amen. Spirit, what, what do you want to leave your kids? Spiritual bondage? Amen. Or spiritual freedom? That's what it refers to, that uh, perpetual possession of the land of promise. Now, let me say this. The strengthening of the nation, the prosperity in the land of promise, the perpetual possession of the land, these things aren't applicable to us. But but we can't apply that to us. America is not Israel. America is not Israel. Uh, The USA is not the land of Canaan. We don't have a title deed for God to keep it. 
We can't apply those things, but there are some applications we can make. What do you mean, brother? Have it, enjoy it, get, love it, live it. If we'll follow those instructions, we too can be strong. If we'll follow those instructions, we too can eat of the good. If we'll follow those instructions, we too can leave it. And here's what do you mean. If we will obey these instructions, I'm talking about have it. If you want to enjoy this, if you want to live it, if you want to love it, if you want to have these things, if you'll obey these instructions and quit pl- uh, playing kissy face with the world and uh, courting the day, if you'll quit doing it and you'll walk with God, you'll go the right way, you'll leave the world behind, you'll separate yourself from the things of this world, the flesh and the devil, and you'll live a surrendered, a fully surrendered life to God. If you'll do that, what will happen? If you'll obey these instructions, you can gain spiritual strength. If you live in defiance of the instructions of God's Word, you will be a spiritual weakling. But if you'll live in subjection to these commands, you can be spiritually strong uh, I, I'll give you an example. Some say, "Well, I'm spiritually strong." Well, you know what you got to do to stay strong? Let's keep exercising. Yes. Keep working it out. I'm realizing now. I still, I still go to the, still go to the gym, and I'm, I'm getting a little bit stronger, uh, brother Joey. I'm, I'm obviously not eating right because my body's not transforming that way. Y'all know what I'm saying? All right, hell, I'm on seafood diet, seafood, and I eat it. Uh, but I am, I'm going to the gym, and I, I'm doing a lot of the workouts that I've done before. But you know one thing? I, I've deducted, brother Thomas. I'm not as strong as I used to be. You say, why? There's time I could lift a whole lot of weight, and then I stopped lifting weight for some time, Brother Jim, and now I'm trying to build it back slowly and surely to the point where I used to could live. It's the same way in our spiritual life. You say, well, I can, my, my spiritual max is whatever number. But guess what? If you don't lift, if you don't use that spiritual muscle anymore, you will lose that strength. You, will, you can revert to a spiritual weakling. But if you'll obey God, you can have spiritual strength. Y'all with me this morning? If we'll obey these instructions, if we'll uh, quit playing the games of the world and winning the world's prize, if we'll follow God, if we won't give uh, our daughters, we won't seek, uh, we won't take their daughters, if we'll not seek their peace, their pro- if we'll obey God, we'll walk the life, uh, live the life God wants us to, walk the course. If we'll obey these instructions, we'll dine on the good things of God. Amen. They we're talking about eating and the eating of the good of the land, the prosperity of God's land. God told them that they would eat from vineyards they didn't plant. They would eat from uh, fields they didn't har- uh, They didn't uh, work. They would live in houses they did not live in. Hey, uh, you, you, you go steal some groceries, you'll go to jail. Uh, you go inhabit at somebody else's house, you'll go to jail. That's what God gave them. Gave them houses and lands and possessions and all. That's them. But we can eat of the good things God. You say, what do you mean, Brother Jacob? If we'll obey God, we can die on the good things God. You, you've heard somebody say this before. Wish God do stuff like that for me. Here, one, of, you know, one, of the, one of the nastiest uh, phrases in our, our, our modern vernacular is this word right here, or this phrase right here. Must be nice. Must be nice. Must be nice uh, is really, most of the time, if somebody else worked harder than you did or had a different, uh, a different uh, privilege or, or, or whatever. So I'm not, I'm not saying somebody has a nice thing that's... Good for you. I'm glad you got nice things. Praise God. God's blessed you. And I hope you recognize that God's blessed you. But some people say, well, God's never done those specific things for me. Why does, he do the, why does God do miracles for some people and not, He doesn't do miracles for me? Why does God uh, work in your home, work in your heart, and work in your marriage like that, and He doesn't work in mine like that? It's the fruit 
of obeying the commands of God. Brother, I, I, I preached this stuff. I've been blue in the face, but the truth is, is some people God wants to bless, but He cannot bless because He's having to try to get their attention. But once God gets your attention and you walk in His goodness, He can bless you. Eat of the spiritual good. Dine on the good things of God. If we'll obey these instructions, we will leave our children an inheritance. Now, I can't preach it, but the Bible does talk about the book of Proverbs. He that is spiritual leaves inheritance to his children's children. That is not talking about things of God. That is talking about material, financial things. Amen. I don't think there's anything sinful in the world uh, to, to leave a monetary uh, inheritance to your children, your grandchildren, and so on. There, there, being, ri- being rich in this world and being poor in God, that's bad. But it's not wrong to be rich in God and rich in this world, okay? The, the, read the book of Proverbs, all right? Y'all Okay. Read the book of Proverbs. There's nothing wrong with leaving money behind to your children or your grandchildren. That is not what this is talking about. It's not talking about money. I don't necessarily think it's talking about the land of Canaan because God's already promised. That's a good picture there. But what I'm talking about here now is not a land of promise. I'm talking about leaving behind a spiritual heritage for your children. I can thank somebody right now. And uh, you can probably thank somebody right now. And uh, they, they attend church. Uh, sporadically, albeit, but they attend church. And uh, wh- and then there's those who are raised around church and then they don't attend church and they're not walking in the things of God. And it's, it's not registered in their mind. The people that are following them, the people that are connected to them, they may be saved, but they're not saved. They're making no investment. Because what, what happens is, it's really sad, some people have this idea, well, I don't, want to, I don't want my family to be godly or spiritual or walk with God. I don't want to be faithful. I don't want to be involved in missions. I don't want to be involved in outreach. I don't want to be, I don't want to be holy rollers. But when time comes, they think their kids old enough that they'll bring them to church. They've got to get saved. That's not a, well, let's wait till they're six, seven, eight, nine years old to see if they can get saved. You start them up from a, a child and you teach them the things of God. Brother Bill, I, I, please, y'all hear it in my heart. I've always known who Jesus was. There's not a time in my memory that I did not know who who Jesus was. Now, I haven't always known Him, known Him. Y'all get what I'm saying? But you know, I've known Him because my parents ensured that I was exposed to the things of God and had a foundation and hunger in my life. What are, let me say this. Well, Well, our connect, it's not wrong to have things. I've taken the boys fishing. We've taken them hunting. We've done. We've gone to ball games. We we we, we watch football games on TV. Or, I don't want that to be the only thing I leave behind. It's man, Dad. Me and Dad had a good time watching the dogs. Or man, me we had a good time going to the Braves game. We had a, this or. I, I what the inheritance we should leave for our children is they walk with God. They love God more than they loved anybody else. He was their everything. Are y'all with me this morning? If you'll obey this, you'll leave an inheritance that is not bound to this world's economy. Spiritual things. Quit it. Have it. And I finish with the last part. Know it. And after all, verse 13, And after all that has come upon us for our evil deeds, for our great trespass, seeing that Thou, our God, has punished us less than our iniquities deserve, and has given us such deliverance as this. Ezra's prayer presented some facts that needed to be known. We read verse 13. What, what, is, what does Ezra 
convey in his prayer. Israel had been bad. Israel had been sinful. But God had been good. And God had been merciful. Y'all see there in verse 13. Our God has punished us less than our iniquities deserve. God not giving you what you deserve is nothing more than mercy. They were bad. God was good. What's some things you need to know? You're not as hot as you think you are. You're not as good as you think you are. And the only one in any of our lives is not us. Not our spouses. Not our friends. The only one that deserves glory in our life is the Lord. So I'm I'm a pretty good moral person. You may be. I hope you're walking for God. I hope you're living a clean life. I hope you're exhibiting the righteousness of God that you've been. I hope you're living a good life. Remember that? Our best is in comparison to God's righteousness as filthy rags. What do you know? What do you take away? What do we see in this prayer? We need to live with this perpetual thought. Uh, Sister Lorraine, it's that it's not all me. But it's all Him. I've fallen. I've failed. I've stumbled. I've been less than. I've missed the mark. But God has always been good. What do you need to know? God's always good. And God's always merciful. They've been bad. But God had been good. They were sinful. God had been merciful. Don't forget that. God had been merciful. See what do you mean? Even the best of us. The most moral of us. The truth is we all deserve one specific thing. And that is hell. And God's not given us what we do deserve. Let us walk day in and day out of God's mercy. You deserve to be in hell. I deserve to be in hell. We deserve to be burning for eternity. But thanks be unto God who was merciful. Know it. Verse 14, I'm hurrying. Should we again break thy commandments and join in affinity with the people of these abominations? Wouldest not thou be angry with us till thou hast consumed us so that there should be no remnant nor escaping? The previous verse end with a semicolon. Verse 13 ends with semicolon. So it proved to us uh, that there was a continuation of thought. Following the acknowledgement of God's goodness and mercy, Ezra posed two questions that stem from said acknowledgement. Can I say it this way? Ezra asked, should we keep doing what we have been doing? That was the question. Should we keep doing what we have been doing? Can I say it another way? Should we continue breaking God's commandments? I got by with it the first time. I think I'll get by with it again. Well, God didn't punish me that time. I think I'll do it again. And what you, what you find out is, uh, I think the, the old saying is, is uh, the wheel of God's wrath grinds slow, but it grinds sure. It may move slow, Brother Bill, but it's going to move. We say it this way, it grinds slow, but when it does grind, it grinds fine. You will, whether you believe it or not, you will pay for your transgressions against God. That's for lost people. That's for saved people. You will pay for it one way or another. I'm glad my sin debt's been paid for by the blood of Calvary. But let me say this. Even when I mess, when I mess around now, break the commands of God, there is discipline. I'm not going to hell. But there is a fire that I feel. 
Not not the flames of hell. I'm trying to say, sometimes God's got to wear us out. Right, teach us a thing. Are you all with me? I'm trying to hurry. Amen. Ezra's asking a question. Should we continue yoking up with this wicked crowd? Should we again break the com- thy commandments and join and offend these people, the people of these abominations? Ezra knew the answer to this question. I don't know if you call it rhetorical. I, I don't, I'm not exactly sure what you call it, but he asked the question he knew the answer to, Brother Thomas. Of course they should not keep d- doing what they had been doing. Don't do it. If you know you're not supposed to do it. God's made it apparent to you. Don't keep doing it. And then he asked the question, I'm trying to hurry. God, wouldest, wouldest not thou be angry if we kept doing, if we kept going to the same well? Can I say it this way in modern vernacular? Ezra asked, God, wouldn't you be mad if we kept doing the same thing we were doing? Yeah, God, God would be mad. God would be angry. And you said, God's never angry. Well, the Bible talks about being angry and sin not. God feels anger. God as the Word of God expresses the indignation of God, sin infuriates Him, uh, but He sins not in His anger. Amen. Aren't you going to get a perfect God? Amen. God, wouldest not thou wipe us out if we kept doing the same thing? Pretty much saying, God, wouldn't you kill us all if we just kept on doing what we were doing? Ezra knew the answer to this question as well. Of course God would be angry and would judge them accordingly as they kept doing what they had been doing. Now, once you see this, these two questions, should we keep doing the same thing we're doing? No. God, would you be angry if we kept doing the same thing? Yes. What's, what's so big about this? Because this is, this is a, a great frustration of my heart. It's a great frustration of your heart if you've if you, if you got any spiritual discernment at all. Is you hate people going down the same path and doing the same thing over and over and over, and they keep falling, they keep wiping out, and you, you eventually. What Ezra was saying is the same thing I want to them. Have they not learned their lesson yet? When are you going to learn? That's pretty much Ezra saying. Lord, he's not going to learn. He's been good, and we just we won't we don't get it. Doing the same thing. Someone once said, and I almost said this. A lot of people said Albert Einstein said this. There's a source on the internet that said Einstein did not say that, so I'm not going to give him the quote, the credit for it. All right, and uh, you know, you know, Abraham Lincoln said you don't believe everything you read on the internet. Okay, yeah. <laughs> I'll get to that later. Uh, somebody said I don't know if it was Einstein or somebody else. One one particular source said Einstein did not say it, but whoever said it was wise. Someone once said insanity is doing the same thing over and over again and expecting different results. Rolling in the hog pen, think you're going to come out looking like a child of God. You're not. Going to the taverns of this world and thinking you're going to be closer to God. You're not. Doing the same thing over and over again in your marriage and your parenting and your walk with God. And you, I'm going to do the same thing and get a different result. That is the definition of insanity. Yes. Amen. Can I give you a little charge? It's going to sound a little salty. Maybe it needs to be. Don't be spiritually insane. Don't be spiritually insane. If God showed you what's wrong, quit it. God showed you what you can have. You can have it. 
better know it. Doing the same thing over and over again, expecting a different result, is insanity. Spiritual insanity. And the realm of the faith, doing the same thing over and over again, is spiritual insanity. Don't be spiritually insane. Can I say it this way? Because don't sound brash. Don't be a spiritual lunatic. Verse 15, I'm trying to hurry. Know it. Ezra still praying, O Lord God of Israel, thou art righteous. For we remain yet escaped as it is this day. Behold, we are before thee in our trespasses. For we cannot stand before thee because of this. Ezra testified of the righteousness of God. Aren't y'all glad we serve a righteous God? I'm glad we got a God who's righteous enough that He can take all us unrighteous folks and make us righteous. Say amen for that. Um, There's supposed false gods of this world and they have an appearance of righteousness, but what's amazing is their their righteousness is enough to save their own family. Our God's righteousness is so good He can save the whole world. Amen. Aren't you glad of that? Ezra then provided some facts that proved that God was righteous. Look what it says. For we remain yet escaped as it is this day. Behold, we are before thee on our trespasses, for we cannot stand before thee because of this. What did Ezra provide to prove that God was righteous? He had the wherewithal to know they were wrong. He had the spiritual bandwidth enough to know, Brother Thomas, that they were wrong. There are people in the world today, we talked about them a minute ago, there are people that have been given over a reprobate mind that's a severe sinner. I mean, that's as bad as a sinner can be is to be a reprobate. Sister Ginger, they don't know wrong. They march in the streets saying how right they are because they're so blind they can't see how wrong they are. And then there are those who have had their conscience here. They have departed from the faith. Those are, I guess, as bad as a Christian can be or a saved person can be is to be an apostate. They've departed from the faith. They've, they, they've rejected what they used to adhere to. They're an apostate. Ne- a reprobate and apostate, brother Ed, neither one of them can see that they're doing wrong. Right. Reprobate says, fine. God says, fine, you want that lifestyle? Have it. And God gives them over to it. They don't want to have God in their mind. God says, have it. You don't have to have me in your mind. And an apostate, their conscience has been seared with a hot iron. That's what the Word of God says anyway. And they can't even see it. If you're here today and you're lost and God showed you you're a sinner, you ought to thank God that He can still work on your heart. He can still show you the way. Amen. Thank God. I thank God I'm free. Praise God. And if you're here today and you're saved, you are a child of God, you've believed on the Lord Jesus Christ, and you're heaven bound, and you still, because we all still stumble and fall, and God nudges your heart and says, You know better than that. You ought to thank God for it. Because there's people today who are born again believers, Brother George, that they have mocked God. Sneered God, rejected God, His Word, His house, His fellowship. And God says, fine, if you're not going to listen anymore, God takes the ability to listen away. If you have the ability to know you're wrong, that's a evidence of the mercy of God. But only having uh, the ability to know you're wrong is a result of God being mercy. But having the opportunity to write... You're wrong. It's proof of God's mercy. It's one thing to be wrong. But brother, it'd be sad if it was, I'm wrong, I'm wrong, I'm wrong, and I can't 
They'd be like, I'm sick, I'm dying. I, there's no hope, there's no medicine, there's no cure. Well, defeated and depressed they would be. But Sister Ginger, when we find we're wrong, if you're lost and you're wrong this morning, you can be saved. Run to Jesus and believe on Him and you'll be saved. But this morning, if you're saved and you're wrong and you're caught up in sin and you've been boozing and doping and a whoring and all that, you, you're in sin, you've been looking and you've been doing all those. And yet God says you're wrong. Forsake it. Amen. Forsake it. No bottle, no drug, no sight, no image. Hear me. No activity. No activity. No, nothing is worth your spiritual well-being. You'll still be saved. But you'll just look like to the world that you're not. Amen. Having the opportunity is proof of the righteousness of God. The ability to recognize, the ability to rectify your sinful course proves that God is righteous. Miss Macy's going to come. I want to give you one verse of Scripture, and I'm done. Thank you for being here. Thank you for your time and your patience. So Brother Jake, why are you so passionate about that? I feel like I've been, Brother God, I've been in the same vein, seems like, for three weeks, but God wants me here. God's put me there, so I, I'm going to keep preaching because He's told me to preach it. Amen. God's made you aware that you're wrong. Quit it. Give that up, and God shows you what you can't have. This is what you can get. It's things we've got to know. God's been good. God's been merciful. God's been merciful. Not only God's been merciful, God's been righteous. The fact that you can know you're wrong, the fact that you can rectify your wrong, is proof of God's mercy. You say, why are you so passionate about it, Brother Jacob? Because if you can sense you're wrong, Say person lost person. Let hear me. If you can sense your wrong, you can tell your wrong, you can distinguish your wrong, you can recognize your wrong, you're in a good place. A place you don't want to be is where you don't feel that you're wrong anymore. For a saved person, that apostate lifestyle, you get a place sin don't even bother you anymore. I'm not I I but I'm not I'm not I can't be dogmatic about it, but in my estimation, when a when a child of God gets where they can't even feel conviction for sin anymore. A funeral's coming. That's all I know to say. Your funeral. But if you're this morning, you can tell God. God's can, if you can feel condemnation for sin, if you can feel uh, being condemned or convicted for your sin, when you do wrong, even save person lost, you're in a good place. Say why, brother? Because if you can sense it, if you can feel it, brother Bill, if you can be aware of it, that's good. It's a good place to be. Because the Bible said in Ecclesiastes nine four, for to him that is joined to all the living, there is hope. There's time, there's life, there's hope. As long as you're alive this morning, as long as you can hear the voice of God, as long as you can recognize that wrong, that you're a sinner, whether you're lost or you're a sinner, as a saved person, you, you can right the wrong. You can change paths. You can change course. Because there's hope. There's still life left. The Bible says, for a living dog is better than a dead lion why is that because that dog's alive that lion's dead because I'm not a lion maybe a dog this morning I am a gentile dog brother Bill because we're living there's hope you can right the ship you can leave that lifestyle if you're lost you can be saved if you believe on Christ as your savior you can be saved He's real good at saving people. He'll save you. And this morning, 
if you're saved and you've been living in the muck and mire of sin and you're, you're, you're tired of hearing God nag you about sin, you better be thankful that God keeps pressing you and nudging you and poking you about your sin because that means you can still get right. Whatever you need this morning, let's stand together. You do business with the Lord. I'm done preaching.